All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he has been walking on the roof of the royal palace on Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is this not the great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you. Until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of man and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. He does according to his will among the host of heaven and among inhabitants of earth. And none can stay his hand, or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. In the beginning, Adam and Eve were perfect. And God created them and gave them some guidelines. Subdue. Subdue creation. Rule over creation and then multiply. Man and woman, make children, make babies. And everything was good until they were presented with the one option. There's just this one tree, this one fruit tree of knowledge of good and evil, don't eat that one. Eat all the mangoes, eat all the papayas, eat all the apples, whatever fruit is there, just this one tree. And in that moment, they did something that has rippled into our entire world. And it's, it's in our world today, and it's, it's really embodied in Nebuchadnezzar in this story. Humans have an innate desire to choose good and evil on their own terms and not on God's terms. And when we choose to do that, when we say, I want to be the king of good and evil, I choose, then what happens is all of the things that we were created by God to do, to subdue creation, to take the amazing things of this world and create beautiful, good, majestic, God-pointing things, those get warped. And we end up having people that get drunk on power and authority. And this is what Nebuchadnezzar did. In verse 30 of the passage, he says he's walking around, just a guy walking on his balcony. I don't have a balcony at my new house. As a matter of fact, I don't even have a house. <laughs> but I do have blocks on it right now. They're not even installed. There's just piles of big cinder blocks. And, um, and right now, it's the perfect place. If you want to do parkour, you can do it at my house. I'm just going to warn you, there's also rebar sticking up in random places. But I went over there, and I prayed on this morning. And I'm going to get up and climb on my blocks because they're my blocks. I'm a home loner. Um, at least I will be. And it was fun just to sort of like sit and stare where I'm going to look. And part of this journey of life for me has been to try to bring the Bible 
to life, but also help us understand it for, for where we are and what it means for who Jesus is and what he did on our behalf. And you can't talk about what's happening with Nebuchadnezzar without going to the first three chapters of the Bible. As a matter of fact, if you're new to the Bible, I want to commend you. The first three pages of the Bible speak to every story that happens later on in the Bible, where there's an order of creation, where there's God interacting with humans, and we see it here that God is going to take a man who says something this bold. He says, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? He says, Look at me, everybody. We in our culture today would never have anybody that would, or any platform, right, that would say, Look at me. We'd never have anything like that called like Facebook. Your face on a book dedicated to you. We have whole pages dedicated to ourselves. Some of us have pages on Instagram dedicated to our dogs. Our dog is so important, they need an Instagram. Now, if that's you, I'm not judging you externally. But internally, I'm judging you. No, I'm not. But, but here's what's going on here, is that Nebuchadnezzar has had every opportunity where God has said, look, Nebuchadnezzar, I showed you your dreams. Look, Nebuchadnezzar, you threw these three men in the fire because they wouldn't bow down to your idol, and I let them go unscathed, unburnt. And every time Nebuchadnezzar said, God, you are the God. God, you are the God. But here he is again, choosing his own definitions of good and evil and taking power for himself, which is what we all do every day day. It's, it's the church word we have for it is sin. That's literally what sin is. And we say, God, you're not God for this moment. I'm God for this moment. Now, Nebuchadnezzar had a very gracious thing happen to him. God immediately, while the words were still in his mouth. You guys ever have that, um, that moment where someone's talking and you just want to mush your finger in their lips? Just shh. Or have you ever had the moment where you're talking and as a word is escaping your mouth, you're trying to grab it and bring it back. Oh, there's no husbands in here today. Sorry. My bad. Literally, as he's speaking, God says, I'm going to make you become an animal. And I have to shorten this up. You can go in the Bible app. The event is there with all the scripture and some notes. It says, I'm going to make you become an animal. I'm going to go. The creation is that humans are above because humans are made in something called the image of God. What are we made in? The image of God. I don't have time to unpack this. It would take five hours, but maybe we'll do an image of God study and what it means. But essentially it's this. We are reflecting God's image. And what's happening in Babylon, and I'm sorry, I'm lightening through this because I know there's another church that's going to come in soon. In the olden days, in the, in the olden cultures, here's what you would do. You would be walking up to an area and you would see statues at the border of an area. And it would be a statue representing, for example, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar statues. You would see the statue and know, I'm going into Babylon because that's the image of their God king. All of the kings, including Nebuchadnezzar, were thought to be God kings. That's why if you watch 300, which I don't recommend, I'm not endorsing it, but it says, I am Xerxes, the God king. All the kings said that because they were installed by some deity. And if they said, I am the God God king, then anything you did against them, you did against the God that installed them, and therefore that gave that God king the permission to kill you, to take from you, to steal from you, to use you in any way that they deemed necessary. A God king had all the powers to do whatever they wanted, and Nebuchadnezzar was no different. Now here's the thing about being created in the image of God. It's one of God's big, big rules. Like, don't create an image of me. God says that. It's in the Big Ten. And every culture around the Israelites had images of their gods and their kings planted everywhere so that you would know when I'm going into this area, this is the God whose territory I'm creeping into. 
But the reason that God said, don't create an image of me, is because, look at the person to your left or right, that's the image of God, the reflector of God. We literally are the statues that God set up so that when people see us, they would say, wow, look at their God. Do you know what happens when people see us today? They're like, wow, wow, wow. We've done this before. What are the words used to describe Christians? One starts with an A, H, and rhymes with hypocrites. Hip wow, you guys are so you're sharp today. It's that slow music. It puts you in a mood. Take the, take the Xanax out. Take the Ambien out. I need you to use your minds because you and I are the image of God. Not just me, not just you. It'd be very prideful if I was like, I am the image of God. No, God said he created them in his image. It's us collectively as humans. We are the reflective statues. Our, our job back then was to image God, and then we have messed it up over and over again. We've said, no, I want to image myself. I want to image my family. I want to image my community. I want to image my success, my achievements. Look how far I've gotten. And God had a gracious thing for Nebuchadnezzar. He said, you want that? I'm going to show you what you're doing. You're acting like a beast. You're acting on your base animal instincts. Nebuchadnezzar, you are a human created in my image. And you're trying to project your image and your authority out over the world, which is, I know you're thinking, well, I don't have that authority. I don't have a royal palace. I can't tell people, look at my majesty, look at my amazing things. But in our own way, we're all doing this. Now, God was gracious to Nebuchadnezzar. God brought his sin and made it public. And he punished him, disciplined him, how, whatever way you want to think about it. He made him go from a man to a beast. And in the Old Testament, things functioned differently because the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet in permanence. So he disciplined Nebuchadnezzar for all the world to see. And then Nebuchadnezzar, in the end, repented. And his story comes to an end at the end of this chapter, at least as far as the Bible is concerned, it just says that he finally confesses that God is God and he is not God. One of the biggest dangers that you and I have is that we are able to hide our brokenness so that no one sees it. One of the most freeing things that could ever happen to you is if your broken parts of your life, those things that you know are like the most inappropriate things, if God brought them to the surface and there was that moment of shame and fear of rejection that you might experience, but then to find out that even in the midst of that, you're still loved. We call that saying the quiet part out loud. Nowadays, we have to be so guarded with our words. I was trying to find a an episode of a show that I love yesterday called Community because um, I want to play Dungeons and Dragons with my kids. Don't, if, you're like, if you're looking at me like, Dungeons and Dragons, you're going to teach your kids witchcraft? No, it's just like storytelling with witches and crafts. Um, okay. I don't like board games. I, I'd rather play that game. I want to go full nerd or nothing at all, full nerd or bust. But I, wanted to, I knew that there was an episode in this show called Community about Dungeons and Dragons, so I went to find it. And I was like, why isn't it? showing up and I google like what episode is it okay I go to Netflix or Hulu whichever one and it goes from episode two or episode uh, season two verse 13 and it jumps over it skipped my whole episode and I was like where why is my one episode I want to watch the Dungeons and Dragons episode why is it not here you know why I wasn't there because a character dressed up as a dark elf and they said it was being racist, so they pulled it from Hulu, they pulled it from Netflix, but Amazon Prime Video still had it. Season 2, episode 14. And it was interesting because they even brought up race in the episode, and they said how it was wrong. 
The other interesting thing is that the character who had painted themselves up as a dark elf, now we're not going to do that. I'm not going to dress up Silas like a dwarf or whatever, but, but I'm dressing up. And, uh, but the reason, but it, they mentioned it in the episode, and the guy who played the dark elf in the episode, uh, Chang, very inappropriate character, he's Asian. So that guy, I feel discriminated against. I know you can't tell, but I'm half Asian. It's my shorter half. But I thought, look at it, like one three-second clip of a, of a show, you pull the whole show off. One person says one wrong thing, you get them all the way off of Twitter, you ban them on this, you put them in Facebook jail that, you neglect them in public for this, they say one thing you don't like, you snooze them for 30 days. Isn't it, I mean, it's wild to me. I think one of the most beautiful things that could happen is if we could see that God loves us even when no one else will. You guys, the number of times where my wife has looked over at me, and I can tell you the situation. My brother and I bring out the absolute worst and best in each other, my middle brother. And my mom and my wife will just shake their heads sometimes and be like, whoa, you guys. And I'm sure that some of the things we say I need to repent of in my heart and my mind, my way of thinking. But we just start to razz in each other. I literally almost got in a fist fight with my brother not a couple of weeks uh, last Monday night. When were the elders meeting? Monday night. Last Monday night, me and my brother got so rowdy, we were going to fight each other just for fun in the front lawn. Because we were like saying mean things to each other. And then he's like, he's like, we could settle this. I was like, we could settle this. And he's little and he needs back surgery. So my thought was, but he's an army ranger, trained killer. So I thought, I'm going to kick him in the spine and run. I win. Okay. <laughs> This ain't no, like, rules fighting here. Because we, we just went, took it over the edge. I, I say this to you not to be like, like, oh, yeah, that's okay, that's cute. You, you probably say some things that are wrong. I say some things that are wrong. We all have Nebuchadnezzar moments where we act like a beast, where we do things for ourselves. We lower ourselves to our basest instinct, and all of our life becomes about, I want to have victory, or I want to make babies. Whatever that primal instinct is, it rides in all of our minds and hearts and souls, and we think about us more than God. And God to Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to show you what you're doing. Nebuchadnezzar, you're acting like an animal. Be an animal for seven years. Eat grass, grow gnarly hair, dreadlocks looking things. At the end of the days, the seven years. Verse 34, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. My reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High. The third time he said, I need to bless you, God. You are God, and I am not God. As far as I know... This is how he stood. I think it'd be fascinating if we get to the new kingdom of God and eternity and Nebuchadnezzar's there. Nebuchadnezzar's like, guys, I made it. Look, probably didn't think I'd be here, did you? After all the people I killed and tormented and tortured. After all the times that I persecuted God's people. But he, he repents here in this moment. And then Nebuchadnezzar says something in the very end, verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heavens, for all his works are right, his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Blessed, uh, cur cursed are those who remain stiff-necked after many rebukes, for they will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. That's Proverbs 29, verse 1. God opposes the proud. Like, if you want to fight God, be a prideful person. 
Think more highly of yourself, more often of yourself. And that's literally how you position yourself against God. Because God says, prideful people, I oppose them, but I give grace to the humble. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less often. It's not just saying, I stink, I'm the worst, even though, yes, many of you stink and are the worst, me included. But humility is seeing yourself as you are, a, a person who is an image bearer of God, who is deeply broken, but Jesus came to do something that we could not do on our own. See, this image issue that we have, the image issue that Nebuchadnezzar had was that it was all about him. Now, God, by his grace, gave Nebuchadnezzar this moment of discipline, seven years of it, to be exact. It's pretty tough. Some of us don't want to endure just seven days of discipline. What would it take for you to finally say, God, I give up? Maybe you're like Alex was, like walking that line of like, I don't know, this Christian stuff. Like, yeah, it's, it's, I, like, I know the God, but it's not a relationship, and God puts a chair for you in the middle of nowhere. Maybe God has you in a place like another Band of Brothers member. Matt, Matt, what was, how did God get your attention? What was, can you remind me again what kind of animal he used? A seal. A seal. See, God knew where Matt was in his life, and God used a seal. The seal popped up on a rock like Free Willy, but in an adapted version from China. It said, Matt Mulleroni, I am a messenger from your God. It went something like that, right? Shortly. Yeah. It may be that it's none of those things. It may be there's a church service, and someone finally says, stop living life for yourself because it goes bad. I saw someone post recently, they were just talking about how they need to stop letting everyone else influence them around them, and they're just going to make sure that they can focus on themselves, and that's how they're going to get better. And I wanted so desperately to write, yourself is who got yourself into the mess that yourself is in. Stop taking yourself's stupid advice. But I didn't. I just said, click a button. Delete, 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 delete. Post, write again. No, no, delete it again. Write it again, delete it again. And instead, I, I wrote nothing. See, if, if you think the answer is going to be found within you, if you think, you know, that you're, you're going to figure out yourself, I need you to remember that yourself got yourself into the mess that yourself is in. That the beast that's in all of our basements is trying to claw its way to the surface of our actions and attitudes and behaviors. But God has a different way. Jesus came, and it's so amazing. He's, he is the perfect image of God that we could not be. He imaged God perfectly because he is God in the flesh. But in the flesh, he, he was masked. He went through the same temptations that we go through. And he showed us. He said, this is how you could do it. Look, it's hard. There are times where Jesus literally wept. There were times where Jesus was troubled. There were times where Jesus was crying out to God, saying, God, if you could do this another way, please let there be another way. If you don't think that, that God, when he came in the flesh, went through things that we went through, you just have not read that part of the Bible. Keep reading. Keep reading. Go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. John is probably the best. Start in chapter 10. Work your way to chapter 21, 22, uh, 21. You'll, you'll see this image of God perfectly, and you'll say, this is what it means to be a human? I can do this? And I will tell you, by the power of God, you can. By the power of God, Jesus confronts the evil and destruction that we brought into this world. 
Jesus confronts the fact that we want to look at ourselves instead of honor God and others, and he says, look, I'm going to give you this same power. I used to have a very wild imagination when I was a younger believer, and this is my nerd confession day. Um, so I used to always imagine and think when I was in service, like some of you kids are, because preachers are boring, and I used to daydream that like a demon thing crashed through the roof, and that in that moment, God called upon me, and I got like some armor that was flying in and slapping onto my chest and just fire swords, and I would like go up and fight this demon. That's literally the first year of Christianity for me, okay, in church service. And it, it helped because it was only organ music, so everything sounded epic, okay? It was like, na 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 And I was like, yes, I'm a demon slayer. And then I realized that demons would just bite my arm off and beat me with it, but so I didn't. But literally yesterday, I'm like going for a walk, and I'm praying, and I wore flip-flops, which was a bad, bad life choice because now, like, my body feels weird today because I walked five miles in the Florida humidity in Panther Trace. And, uh, and I was like, I'm just going to put on some calm music. And you know when you put on music, but then it jumps to like the next thing? So like I had like just like serene, and then somehow the song built into warrior battle music, okay? So as I'm walking, all of these like dreams came, and like it was weird, time felt slow, and like a butterfly fluttered across, and it felt like I was slowing down the butterfly with my mind. So then I thought, am I gonna get the armor that I used to think I was getting? And I spent like 25 minutes thinking about if a demon just like popped up or like it started, actually started much more reasonable. It started with a, just a Florida puma jumping out of a bush in Panther Trace. And then I killed it and called animal control. And they got, they let me take home the carcass because I beat it with my bare hands like a warrior. It went from that to like demon slaying, okay? And then I was a superhero. By the end of it, I was basically Superman, but with mind control. It was amazing. It was a really good walk. I literally think about God for a living. I read the Bible. I know how dumb humans are, yet stupidity can creep in on all of us. Eric is very famous for saying, we are all only one step away from stupid. And that is true. Here's stupid. Here's how close we are. Sometimes we walk off and we do something stupid. And then we defend our stupid actions by continuing to walk in the stupid puddle. If you're a parent here today and you're like, I don't let my kids say stupid and they're sitting right next to me, children, do not do, do what your parents tell you to do. The Bible says, fifth commandment, honor your mother and father so that you may live long in the land. Um, my kids, can you say stupid? No, I was asking. It was a rhetorical question. Are you allowed to? Does mommy get you in trouble? Do I get you in trouble? Who's your favorite parent? No, I'm just kidding. God, brown noser. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God, and then we said, we did what Nebuchadnezzar did. We built Babel. So if you haven't connected, Babylon comes from the Tower of Babel. I'm just trying to connect dots for your further nerdiness. For those of you who want to study the scripture, who want to read the Bible, Babel in Genesis, uh, in the first chapters of Genesis, Genesis 10, 11, that Babel is Babylon. And that Babel is make something for ourselves. And God says, no, this is not what I created you for. You are my image bearers. You're not your own image projections. And the psalmist captures it well. He says, what is man that you're even mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? And here's the mystery. God has made you and me a little lower than the heavenly beings and he's crowned us with glory and honor. You all are kings and queens of the Lord 
commissioned to bring his image forward, to not bring attention to you. One of the greatest dangers of our society is that we have every tool at our disposal to make life about us. We teach our children to make life about them. What's col what college do you want to go to? What do you want to be when you grow up? You may think these are harmless, but we're teaching our children something that's very inherently backwards. We're saying, what do you want to do? Instead of saying, what do you, what do you, what do you sense that God wants you to do? Are you reading the Bible and asking God what he wants you to do? Because here's the reality. I pray, I pray, and I prayed when this whole thing went down. I said, God, if you want me to sell what I have and go to Afghanistan to preach the gospel, I need two miracles from you, God. You must work in my wife's heart. That's miracle number one. Miracle number two is that's it. Just work in my wife's heart. Why would you go to Afghanistan? Why would you go to Iraq? Why would you go to Syria? Because if God tells you to do something, you best get going. Well, that's not reasonable. There's a whole ministry that is in Iraq now because a college student, right after we started in the Iraq war, a college student said, I just want to go and bring water and medical care and love and prayer to Iraq. And they left for Iraq and they haven't been back since. And it's grown and grown and grown. How do I know if God is calling me to do something? It's where you get on tricky ground here. But it will start with you having a compelling sense on your heart, and then you'll go to the Bible, and you'll, you'll see, and God will, maybe will lead you to certain stories, and he'll bring it up to your eyes and mind more, and then God will have people around you that say, hey, I've been feeling this. I've been praying, and every time I pray, I see you somewhere else. I see you going to Virginia, Alex, to go make disciples, because it may not be that he's calling you to go to Afghanistan. It may be that he's calling you to go to the Philippines or Malaysia. It may be that he's calling you to go to Singapore and plant down roots there. Amy Tarona, are you hearing the message? She said that God said no. I read her mind. Apparently, mind reading is one of my powers right now. I want you to do what God calls you to do and to be humble about it. To say, God, you, I'm going to trust that you know what's best, even if it means that I die here today. What, what would I gain? What would you gain if we lived safely? For the rest of our lives, never taking a risk, but never once stepped into the, the path that God had for us. God created you to be image bearers. Not just pew sitters. When we see someone, like it, it blows my mind. I'm going to use you, Wayne, because you sit in the front. Like it blows my mind that God would make you an image bearer. Like just look at me and you together as image bearers. We both have messed up vision. You're wearing a silver chain in a shirt with a demon on it. You're welcome. Yeah, it's a Doom. For those of you who can't see, it's a Doom video game shirt. I'm wearing a shirt that says a Jesus thing, so at least I have that going for me. So I can feel holier than you feel. But in the reality is that God says, image bearer, go bear my image. How do I do it? I'll tell you how to start right now. Like this is something you could do seven days. Within seven days, you can do this. We're going to go feed the homeless. Next Sunday. Last time we did this at the end of July, 
it was the most pathetic, pitiful turnout. Now, granted, coronavirus is going around, but by the grace of God, we had someone go that had a vehicle because basically teenagers led last month, right? Wasn't it teenagers? It was you. Your car broke down. And that was good that your car broke down because you got a sweet car. Like, your car is better than my car, and I'm a 40-year-old man. Okay? I want your dad to adopt me. But it was just by a miracle that, like, one adult was like, I should probably follow them. Like, they're adults, but let's be honest, old people. We judge 18-year-olds. When they're like, oh, how old are you? I'm 18. In all of our minds, we think, you don't look a day over 12. That's what I do. That's how I know I'm getting old. Some of you are looking at me, and you're like, you don't look a day over 12. And I'm like, I know. But here's the reality. Like, you want to try it? You want to step out on a, a ledge? Go serve the homeless. It's so easy. At the end of service, sometime, at the end of the second service where the Jesus Church people meet, 1245-ish, we're going to come here, we're going to slap together sandwiches and waters and fruits, and then they're going to go down. Caravan downtown. Well, what if I get coronavirus from somebody? Here's the deal, man. We're all going to die. And I don't know how many times I can say this. I need to start pre-recording sermons in a cemetery so I could just say, we're going to be here in two seconds. Do what God calls you to do. If he calls you to go downtown, you better go downtown. If you're like, well, God would never call me to go downtown. He already did in the word. In the book of Matthew, he says, did you not? You clothed those who were naked. You fed those who were hungry. He says, care for the orphans, the widows, and the poor. He says, if you see someone with a need, go and fill the need. Do you know who also is coming to Tampa? Massive amounts of Afghan refugees. Because guess, guess where those big planes are going? From there to McDill Air Force Base, right there. As a church, we could say, let's politicize this. We don't, do we need more people? In our country, I don't know. And here's the thing. I don't want you to get political right now. I just want you to take the things that some of us are saying and put them on God's voice. Do I need more people in my forever family? I don't know. I'm not going to let them in unless they have everything in order. You guys, I had nothing in order. You had nothing in order. God let you in. He made the way for you to get in. God is the, that picture of the Marine grabbing the baby and pulling him in is what he did for us. When we were scared and didn't know what we were doing, didn't know how this whole church thing worked because church people seem kind of crazy. They talk to the wall and the ceiling for 30 minutes before they get to anything that's like teaching functional. No, God said, you're in my family, you're in my family, you're in my family, which is why it's breaking our hearts. You want to say like, well, people don't know. They don't know God. They don't want to follow God. Ecclesiastes 3.16 says, Eternity is written on the hearts of men. We all know that something's wrong. That's why we're all watching these pictures and we're like, how? Why? Because internally, as image bearers of God, even if we're ones that have ripped and broken and shredded that image, we know this is wrong. This is not how people should be treated. Why do we know that? Because God wrote it deep down on the places where politics cannot penetrate and change. There's a core of us that is an image reflection of who God is. His very character is wired into our software and hardware. And that's why in these rare moments in human history, we see something atrocious and say, that's just wrong. And we all agree, it sucks. So be the image that God created you to be. 
I pray that somebody here is called to go to Afghanistan. I pray that someone here is called to make a bunch of sandwiches and go downtown next week and, and go boldly to pray for people, to lay hands on people. I pray that some of you will say, you know what? I'm not even called to live in this neighborhood anymore. I think God's called me to sell my big 3,000 square foot house and go live in a two-bedroom apartment in a different neighborhood. I pray that God causes some of you to look at the things that you have and say, I don't need these things. I can sell all of these things. And I'm also going to pray that when God tells some of you, stay right where you are, but change the way that you're living. Don't make it about you. Make it about others. Feed the people on your block. Throw block parties so you can share the love of Christ with people. I pray that whatever God begins to show you this week, that you'll stop creating excuses for why you don't want to or cannot do it and say, God, I'm in. Because you have two options, church family. You can, you can humble yourself or be humbled at some point. Your great humility, humbling from God, may not come till the end of your life, but I pray that before that day comes, you would humble yourself before the Lord in prayer and trust and faith so that you can now say whether your life is in danger or in safety, whether you're on this side or that side, you can say, you get all the honor, King of heaven, for all your works are right and your ways are just. And let those who walk with you walk in humility. Let's pray. God, I am. Oh, my goodness, Lord. I'm so sorry. Jesus Church, we love you. I know you're in the lobby. Chapel family, I love you. Lord, we all love you collectively. We're here to give thanks, to be humble. To you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.